Oh, hey, you made it. We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event. Yeah, do you want to come check it out? Welcome to the Don't Go Outside podcast. I'm your host, Robin, and we're here today with Patch, King of the Creaky Chair, Sultan of the Squeak. Um, <laughs> Sultan <who> of Squeak. <laughs> it's my favourite Dire Straits song. Who's going to talk us through what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, uh, yeah. so this week uh, we gotta, we're going to follow up on a few things from uh, the last episode. We got some thoughts and some feelings and some opinions about the recent PlayStation 5 reveal. Uh, we both got an absolute truckload of uh, very, very indie games <laughs> from itch.io for uh, for one of the goodest of causes at the moment. And uh, yeah, we're also going to talk about Space Force a little bit, the Netflix series. Um, yeah, so... Do you want to kick us off? Do you have any follow-up, uh, Robin? Any follow-up from last week? Um, is this well? Generally, it's not so much follow-up as it is Assassin's Creed Corner. Ah, um, see, well, I'm going to surprise you this time. Are you going to surprise me by talking about Assassin's Creed? No, I have no Assassin's Creed chat. Broke our combo what? streak. Oh, it's like outrageous! I don't have any Assassin's Creed chat either, so. Really got nothing to bring to this party, Assassin's Creed wise. I think I really exhausted, <laughs> exhausted myself uh, with the old <laughs> AC. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I've nothing to talk about Assassin's Creed wise. I've completed that game ages ago, and I've been playing. Um, I was continue. I continued on from Disco Elysium where I spoke about it last week. I completed it. Uh, gotta say, pretty darn disappointed with the way that ended. Oh wow, that's that's a turn of events. Yeah, I know. I don't want to spoil it for you because I still think you should you should definitely play it if you get the chance. I'm not going to tell you how it ends. I'm just going to say it's one of those games that uh, it just finishes uh, with a bunch of loose ends. There are tons of mm. things come up, and the, you, once you complete the game, I still had loads of questions. I was like, well, what about this person, and how does this connect to that? Uh, but no, you. Uh, Essentially, without spoiling it too much, once you solve the case, the murder case that you initially that you initially set out to do, uh, the game is over, and that's the credits. So, if you want to really be a hundred percent completionist, you gotta build, you gotta do everything before you uh, complete before you close the case. But if you've not played the game before, then you might not really know when's that gonna, when that's gonna be because it kind of just kind of came out of nowhere for me. Wow! Um, right. Which is a shame, a uh, darn shame, because I was really enjoying the game and I'd really gotten into um, into the feel of it as well. I was talking about, mm-hmm. last episode I spoke a little bit about how um, how it took me a while to get into it, but once I was into it, I was really sold and I was, you know, I was along for the ride and then I just kind of got booted off the ride, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's like, okay, game's over now, bye-bye. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe so, that, um, that's it, it's like... It, it- it cuts you off early, so you don't get bored of it. It's like, nope, nope, that's it, you're done. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you you could argue that. Um, I mean, there's a very small team that made it. 
So um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe it was a, a you know a time issue. You know, they had to get the game out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I did a bit more research on on the people that made it actually. Well, after we'd spoken about it here, and the reason why the lore of the of the fictional world is so thick is because it's based on a on a novel or a series of novels that the guy that has written the game had written previously. So he just had this, you know, two books worth of uh, history that he could just plop into the game. So I thought that was quite yeah. an interesting concept. That's pretty helpful, and it gives you some fairly solid source material to work from, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I completed that, and uh, mm-hmm. I was just I was just annoyed, really. I was disappointed. Um, there's a second one, uh, I think, and they're in... They're in talks to make a second one. I don't know if that's really confirmed yet. But mm-hmm. um, I just remember I went on the subreddit for the game a little bit and everyone, and there's tons of chat about how the end of the game kind of brought people to tears and how it was so emotional and all this and that. And I didn't really get that. I was just... Like, the end of the game is is, is good. It's a, it, is, it is a good ending. I just wasn't expecting it to be the end of the game. And it's not... I guess the way it was written or the way I experienced it didn't cause me a great deal of emotion but this does seem to have affected a lot of people being like oh this game is, has such beautiful messages about you know um, addiction and recovery and finding oneself and uh, and it does do all that a lot very well but I just it didn't I don't know somehow I somehow feel I missed out on an emotional beat somewhere like there was some side quest I, I didn't take which made me miss out on a lot of the meaning of the end of the game uh, mm. do you know what I mean? yeah um, that's, that's pretty unfortunate and I'm sad that it kind of soured it for you because mm. you were really you were really, really enjoying that yeah and it's a game I'll probably go back to but not for a long long time because it's a, it's a it's a big game a big commitment mm. you know one of those games that once you play it you're that's the game you're playing you know <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, I don't know. I kind of uh, distracted myself a little bit with uh, some Nintendo sixty four um, nostalgia. I uh, got that all hooked up and working, which is great. Um, and I've kind of become a bit of a, uh, a Nintendo sixty four game collector now. I've been on a bit of an eBay spree because <laughs> <laughs> every couple of years I'll I'll get into something that requires me to use eBay. Uh, and I'll just spend a week just bidding and losing on stuff and getting really excited about stuff coming in the mail. Uh, and then I don't have any money for a little while because I've spent it all on old games. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not the best time to be buying retro games because their uh, their price has like doubled. Oh, it's gone. Tell- it's gone through the roof because of because uh, of the lockdown situation. Yeah. No. Honestly, that's that's I, yeah. <laughs> I, I I could have told you that. Um, not great timing <laughs> no but uh, hey I wanted Star Fox I wanted, Li- I wanted Lilith Wars because I'd never played that when I had the Nintendo 64 so I got that all pretty much mint in the box I was very happy with there was like old instruction manual and the only thing I was missing was the rumble pack but I'm going to pick that the up the rumble pack mm-hmm. excuse me I'm just uh, sounds like there's a bit of a rumble myself. pack going on <laughs> for you um, yeah that's a uh, it's good. I I got I did a bit of the old. Well, it wasn't N six four gaming so much as N six four emulation. Um, oh yeah. But I 
I got big into that, played through a, ga- a few games, basically remembered that games of that era are really hard. Oh yeah. And then uh then stopped. Nice. What did you what did you try out? Um well it was mainly uh Mario sixty four and the Legend of Zelda's um what was it, Orcarina Time and Majora's Mask. Cool. Yeah, no, those two not Majora's Mask, but uh, Super Mario and Ocarina of Time. I've started playing those pretty heavily. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, but then I could have just dropped off because uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've been I've been replaying The Last of Us because The Last of oh, Us yeah. Two comes out in two days as of recording, and I am very excited. So expect me to be talking about that um, next episode. So there's a little teaser for the next episode of Don't Go Outside. I'll be talking about The Last of Us Two. I, I do have a, a question because we haven't haven't really talked about your uh, latent vampirism, which you've uh, you, you've been doing the vampire thing recently. That's cool. I mean, I've seen you know you've taken you know victims back into the vault and then you know doing unspeakable things to them, which is fine. You know, it's fine. I, I mean, I'll thank you not to call my guests victims. <laughs> They're uh... Uh, well, you know, they look a bit pale and dead when you're wheeling them out, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, um, I'm helping them join the the uh, the undead brotherhood of, uh, oh. of of noble of noble vampires, which is a, a cause I've joined. Uh, the road warrior thing wasn't working out. Um, right, just it's, it's a bit it's a bit difficult. You know, uh, you, you get in a lot of a lot of trouble a lot of the time. Mm. And uh, on one of my raiding. Uh, raiding expeditions with my other road warrior friends. We came across this this old hospital in uh, in this abandoned city, and uh, we went down into the you know into the into the hospital basement looking for medical supplies and stuff. And uh, there was just this weird guy hanging around the morgue, and he said, uh, "Listen, if if it's supplies you're looking for, I can supply you with uh, eternal life." And all it will cost you is just a pint of <laughs> pint of your own blood. And I thought, you know what? I'm tired. Uh, really tired. Um, I could do with a break from uh, being on the road a lot. So uh, yes, uh, how, how's this going? Did you just take me up to this IF? And uh, no, nah, he just leapt, leapt at me and dug his teeth straight into my neck. And um, next thing I know, I wake up. I'm hanging upside down in the morgue, uh, very much like. My blood bag initiation. Is. The the two things, the road warrior and vampirism, have a lot of parallels. I was a blood bag for a long time uh, before I was initiated. That uh, was part of my hazing to become a road warrior, and then I was kind of a blood bag for this uh, for for the great lord Pazuzu. Pazuzu, oh yeah. Um, well, I don't have any follow-up other than I was actually I was thinking about our episode Condo on Blast, and I'm feeling a little bit bad about <laughs> taking Condo, like absolutely uh, merkin Condo. Yeah. Um, I, I still I stand by my opinions, but I think I would have phrased them differently. Um, you know, she she seems like a nice person, so yeah, I I'm just I'm just gonna put that on the record. But yeah, if you want to go on record. <laughs> And and publicly apologize to Marie Kondo. I can uh, forward this episode to her and be like, "Sorry, Con- um, sorry, Kondo." Yeah, maybe she could become a friend of the show. Um, 
Ricardo, <laughs> friend of Don't Go Outside. Jesus, that oh, I like all our friends of the show that we're probably <laughs> never going to meet in our lifetime. Uh, yeah, we got Ewan McGregor, John Favreau, got uh, Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. To be honest, I think show. we probably could, if we really wanted to, tried hard enough. We could probably wrangle meeting some like I'd say Cavill out of between Favreau, Cavill. McGregor and Condo, I'd say maybe Cavill is the most realistic one that we could organize a, 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 a something with, you know? Oh man, like <laughs> that would just be I'd, our listenership would go up by like a factor of a hundred. I'd pee my hands uh, with excitement. Yeah, you would. You'd be slipping off your chair, mate. Oh no. Um, <laughs> right, should we should we dive into the podcast proper and uh Go on to our first topic of the PS5 release because you know I'd like to talk about it. I'd like to talk about it. Yeah, I've got. I think this is going to be a this is going to be a packed one, which is why I wanted to make the follow up really quick because we've got three. I think for the first time in Don't Go Outside history, we have three big topics that we have both that we both know about. So mm-hmm. it's almost three topics of the week. So yeah, we gotta not watch our time, but I'd say it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big boy this episode. I think. I think it's going to be a big one. Um, but yes, yeah, so PlayStation 5 um, is going to be released on for, for Christmas this year. I'm not sure on the exact date. Hmm. Um, the, just the, the new Xbox hasn't been released yet, has it? Hasn't been, hasn't been uh, uh, No, the Xbox announced. Series X uh, was revealed right. earlier this year. Maybe okay. kind of end of last year, early this year. Um... But not much information has been released. There what I don't think they've had a massive. To my knowledge, they haven't had a huge event like Sony did uh, this past week. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. just shown what the console is going to look like. Um, and uh, but yeah, but uh, Sony this week did have a massive uh, stream live stream. Said we're going to give you tons of details about PlayStation Five games, and we're going to reveal what the console looks like. And everyone was like, are you going to tell us how much it costs or, or, or when it's going to come out? And Sony says, no. <laughs> no, we are not. Uh, we just want you to be excited with games, which I totally understand, to be honest. Um, everyone's complaining about how they don't know the price, but to be honest, the economy is fucked right now. So I think they're probably trying to see what happens once you know the, lock, the, the global lockdown eases a little bit before you know committing to a price point. Would you say that? Yes. Would you agree with that? I think that's a very wise analysis, and you're you're correct because if they 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 wouldn't want to announce really high and then have to discount it. Yeah, because um, nobody has a job by Christmas, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I think they'll probably hold off as long as possible on price. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, what I need to talk about first and foremost is that controller, man. That controller. Woof. Looks pretty. It looks, I mean, the points the best looking controller I've ever seen. It is a beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does look really good uh, in terms of controllers. In terms of PlayStation controllers, it's it's the best looking one for me. Um, Mm -hmm. It looks, it's a bit chunkier, I guess, than PlayStation controllers have been in the past. It's kind of more close. It's 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 closer 
to say a Nintendo Switch Pro controller or an Xbox controller and I think that thickness really lends itself to, uh, to comfort when it comes to you know massive gaming sessions yep it was I think the I've always preferred PlayStation controllers actually but the one issue I've had with them is uh, just yeah the, the, the controller just after long usage, it does kind of like feel like you're grasping it a little hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, it's a welcome, welcome change, and it, it looks like a fighter jet. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it does the console as well. Like I really like the look of it. It's been getting a lot of flack online because people are desperate to make uh, to make Reddit gold, so they're just trying to think of anything it vaguely looks like and are being and making jokes about it. Um, mm-hmm. Which people do whenever a new console is released. But I think the PlayStation 5 looks nice. It's a bold new design. I really just sound like I'm a PR person for, for Sony right now. <laughs> but I think it's a cool design. It looks like it looks like a like a like a like a, like a uh, science fiction skyscraper, you know? Yeah. I think it looks great. And um you know, I think it's I think it's testament that they're trying to progress. They've not gone with the map, the pure matte black aesthetic. They have adopted this white aesthetic, which I like. Mm-hmm. It's very clean. I think they will bring out a matte black version. Yeah, um, I think so. I've seen like concepts posted all over the place of people doing like classic PlayStation grey and like a black one, and then someone did like a cyberpunk edition, which looked really cool, like the game. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Sorry, I totally spoke over you. No, that's that's quite all right. Um, so, other than the aesthetics, um, what about what's going on under the hood? Uh, I don't really know about technical stuff. I mean, I know that the controllers, uh, the the big thing they're selling is the haptic feedback, which sounds quite exciting. You know, in terms this is of- exactly what I was gonna. <laughs> this is exactly what I was moving on to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just like the sound of it. It's it's apparently, uh, it's kind of where the so the Nintendo Switch controllers have kind of a new. Uh, kind of rumble vibration system in them as well where it's all kind of relative to what's happening on screen Um, and Mm -hmm. I think Sony have their own version of this which is called haptic feedback which will you know if you pull the the trigger buttons then it'll feel like you know you're you'll get a bit of kickback if you're pulling the trigger on a gun like that kind of thing which sounds Mm kind of it sounds kind of cool you know I'm I'm interested to see how it feels uh, in practice because it's all well and good to talk yeah. to talk about it and tell us about it, but it's all about actually getting your hands on it, you know. I mean, I've not obviously it'll be something that's hard to see until like people have got hands on the controllers. But haptic feedback's quite a—I mean, that's quite a general term, you know. Haptic can, feedback can be, you know, the little tap you get on your wrist with with an with an Apple Watch, mm-hmm. or it can be, you know, like um, full resistance. Um, resistance weights on your body that change depending on uh, various inputs it can be huge yeah what i would like to see is like resistance stuff so uh, a great example would be um for first person shooters how hard you have to pull the trigger button changes depending on which weapon you're using i'd like to see stuff like that which would be really cool that would be cool yeah um, but I, I mean, I don't know, and I've not really dug into this tech specs of the controller, so I can't, I can't get that out. But, but that looks exciting. I'm excited to see what they've done with the haptic feedback. Um, but yeah, uh, and 
I mean, I'm just going to go on to my, my main thing is I said this before about the PlayStation 4 and how the PlayStation 4 was just going to be a Bloodborne machine for me because <laughs> I love love me some Souls games. Oh, yeah. And what what has been announced is that Demon's Souls um, from way back in the early, early PS3 cycle, I, th- I think in 2009, was the sort of first Souls-like game released by From Software. Yeah. Um, it's getting a full remake, full overhaul. I know that's exciting. Um, I know, like full graphical overhaul, um, and the assumption is it's going to have quality of life improvements, mechanical overhaul. Because Demon Souls was jank. It was, it was heavy jank. Great, but very jank. Sure. And I think that would really show its age. Um, but it seems that they're being completely faithful to it. I've seen a sort of screen by screen of the um, of the trailers for the old Demon Souls and the new. Um, oh, I'm just, I'm just pumped for it. I'm just happy to be here, happy to see it. But yeah, I was um, <laughs> without without sounding uh, too patronising. I was I was uh, watching it. I was like, ah, oh, that's very exciting for Robin when it, when it came out because <laughs> I'm because I'm it doesn't really mean anything to me because I don't have the, say the same connection with From Software as you do. But I was like, yeah, now there's going to be a lot of people super hyped about this, and I'm happy for them. So that's cool. That's a good thing that you're getting. Just uh, happy for you, man. Pumped for it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, and what are you? And what is your Demon Souls equivalent? What are you really hyped up about for the PS5? Oh, man, for me, it has to be Grand Theft Auto Five. I mean, the the fact that they kicked mm. off their uh, their their big reveal of the next generation console with a game that uh, came out halfway through the Xbox 360 generation. Oh, Chef's kiss. I'm, I'm so glad we're going to get Grand Theft Auto 5 again that way. The six people in the world who don't own it already can finally buy a copy of it. And then, finally, everyone in the world will have a version of Grand Theft Auto 5. <laughs> um, your sarcasm is palpable. Yeah, no, I like I like going on these sarcastic rants. I just thought that was so strange. It was like, it is strange. we're going to start off our reveal... Um, it was almost. It almost felt like. Don't worry, guys. You'll still be able to get to play GTA Five, because I feel like a lot of people, like tons of people, are still playing that game. Uh, clearly, mm-hmm. because it's making a lot of money. Uh, it's yeah. Like it still has a massive player base. Uh, so I don't know, but it did just feel like. Don't worry, guys. It's coming. <laughs> don't feel like you need to panic about not playing GTA Five anymore. But just to put it at the front of the uh, of the play of the PlayStation Five reveal was a bit strange to me, and it's not like it, Demon's Souls where it's getting like a next gen update. It's just mm-hmm. it appears to just be the game, you know. Uh, it'll well, just run it, a bit what's better. What's strange about it is like one putting it front and center. That's kind of strange. Um, I would have think just a sort of tertiary mention to just be like, yeah, okay, it's still going to be there. And um, even if it got a feature later on in the event. Um, and also, it would it was it's kind of assumed that GTA Five would carry over anyway. What made the sort of starting with the what made the Demon Souls remake such a sucker punch is there was rumors of a remake, but no one really knew it was happening. Yeah. And it didn't we didn't certainly didn't know it was happening in that fashion. Um, so yeah, to lead with here's Grand Theft Auto Five exactly the same. <laughs> so <laughs> just bizarre. a bit odd. Yeah, because yeah. I was... here's this here's this brand new machine with he, he, 
an incredible capability. Here's a game from 2013 that it can play. I find it perplexing, but perhaps they just view... I mean, it will be a calculated decision. They'll say, right, okay, who's most likely to convert into a PlayStation sale hell or high water? It's probably these people who have pumped loads of money into Grand Theft Auto V. How do we keep them and make sure they convert into the new console? You say that you've still got your game. You lead with that. I mean, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, which is, I mean, you know, I think that's classic corporate cowardice, but, you know, that's <laughs> uh, how it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, Spider-Man. So talk me through it. So Spider-Man, Miles Morales um, is going to be the basically Spider-Man and a half. It's not a full sequel to uh, Insomniac's Spider-Man uh, game. It's just going to be... Uh, and I think a, like an extra, not quite DLC, but a mini campaign about uh, Miles Morales and him becoming his own version of Spider-Man. Uh, right. Looks like it'll be with the slightly new engine because I know Insomniac showed off uh, showed off Spider-Man running on the PlayStation Five, and it was like, look how quickly things load, look how fast you can swing through New York, and there's no popping or anything. So I think it'll be more of a maybe more of a graphical showcase like on release to be like oh you play spider-man look how good new york looks you know um but Mm. i'm excited to see um my their version of miles morales he's a character that i quite like from the spider-man series um and he him and peter parker had a really good relationship in the in the first game so i'm just looking to excited to see how that develops um weird that i think they could have done this as part I was expecting them to do this as part of uh, Spider-Man 2 because uh, there's tons of teases near the end of the first game where it shows it kind of um, builds up to oh maybe we're going to get Green Goblin and Venom in the next game which would be really cool so we might see teases of that in this or it could just be Miles Morales on his own adventure which would be equally good uh, but yeah just being a Spider-Man fanboy I'm you know my mind is reeling with possibilities you know yeah um and i mean that game was really well received uh, and it, it was a great game so more of it can only be a good thing i guess mm-hmm. yeah no I'm, I'm i'm excited for that I, if it comes out for this i think depends on the price point because it, it is slated to be a shorter experience like a mini like a mini campaign so if they release it day one with the playstation 5 and you can buy it for like 25 quid then that's a that's a winner i think that'll do really well i think you're right i think you're absolutely right because that'd be an immediate gimme for like pretty much everyone you know? yeah yeah totally um, um i wonder have they announced anything about cyberpunk yet is that going to be on the ps5 i mean imagine it will be because it's slated for release on the ps4 so yeah uh well the i think one of the reasons why cyberpunk has been delayed um because it got it got delayed then it got delayed again but one of the reasons why it's been delayed this time is because it doesn't quite work with next gen technology so they've had to postpone the release so they can get it working on xbox series x and playstation 5 uh but i don't know if there's been any news since then uh but that was a wee while ago that that was announced so i don't know we'll see i'm it's still slated for next year i think um 
Uh, no, no, it's September this year. Oh, is it September this year? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. I, I, I am very much looking forward to Cyberpunk. Maybe we can have like a Cyberpunk update every episode <laughs> just to see <laughs> how it's doing. Cyberpunk update. Um, yeah, so, I mean, have you got any other... I mean, I'm just... I'm excited to see the PS5, but I want to see more... I want to see more hands-on because I'm always quite sceptical on, like, big releases. I want to see someone, like, tear it down, get get into the meat and potatoes of it, you know? I understand that. I, I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of interesting trailers for a wide variety of different types of games, which is quite cool. Um, there was one, there's for a game called Stray, which looked, I thought looked really interesting, where uh, you basically just play as a stray cat in, in a post-apocalyptic world populated by robots um, wow. and the trailer follows this cat going through this you know cyber robot city and the whole trailer I was like oh do you get to play as the cat I hope you get to play as the cat <laughs> the whole time <laughs> and then the final shot of the trailer is this cat sitting on a sign and uh, comes up with the title says straight and it's like ah you get to play as the cat that's great I mean I I just like I like interesting game premises more and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what I like is that it seems that you know triple A's are getting to the point where they're like, yeah, man, let's just be weird. Give it <laughs> a pass. Yeah. I mean, you could go um, weird in the totally opposite direction. I made a note in uh, my show notes about the game Bug Snacks and how I think it looks fucking <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> I already hate it. Bug Snacks. Yeah. Do you remember the trailer for? Um, for bug snacks so there's a trailer for a game called bug snacks and it's made by the same people who brought out octodad which i've never played but it looks really good and it has a massive fan following as an indie game does octodad and their follow-up to that is a game called bug snacks has the same graphical style as octodad Mm -hmm. sort of like faux childlike you know, it looks a bit like a kids' program, but it just they they just haven't nailed the aesthetic at all. Where it just looks nightmarish and weird, and it actually <laughs> makes me look makes me feel a bit nauseous looking at it. Um, wow! I don't know. You should you should look up some screenshots for it. Uh, just so I just did. It looks pretty weird. And yeah, I don't know. I just don't like it. That's the one. That's one of the things that stood out to me in this. I like, I like that they're trying to put indie games on the front line. Because that's mm-hmm. really good to show support for small time developers, but this game just looks fucking weird. I don't like it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> maybe we should uh, maybe we should do that one. <laughs> what bug snack? Just to make you uncomfortable. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, that's on the totally opposite side of the spectrum to uh, you know of experimenting with fun ideas. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I've never never really played a Ratchet and Clank game before, but that looks really impressive like tech wise I don't know if you saw the trailer for that I did um, I've always been more of a Jack and Daxter guy and mm. I was holding out that maybe we'd get some of that action but no I'm never sad to see another Ratchet and Clank game they always they make solid games yeah, like, I think Ratchet and Clank games are always good I think I only ever played demos for Ratchet and Clank on the Playstation 2 like I would have demo discs with Ratchet and Clank games on them and there was something about the combat that just didn't really feel satisfying to me you know like the mm-hmm. like the shooting the gun you just like sway your gun back and forth and just uh i mean the design of the game looks cool and what i what was impressive to me was that you're jumping between different dimensions 
so quickly like that to me really showed off the power of what the PlayStation 5 can do is like jumping between completely different game worlds within a matter of seconds and there, there didn't seem to be any like pop-in there wasn't any like uh um what's the the fading into the distance you were just in a fully realized game world immediately before jumping into another fully realized game world um which people yeah. are saying there is potential for crossover with uh, Jack and Daxter because apparently one of the worlds oh, yeah. looks like the Jack and Daxter world, but I wouldn't know because I had oh my good god never please, played it. Please let it be so. Um, but yeah, Ratchet and Clank looks exciting. Um, don't have much more to say about the games that were revealed. I just think PS Five. Um, I I would say I don't think I'm going to get it at launch because I feel like I only just bought a PlayStation Four because I'm quite behind <laughs> on the old console generation. And it looks like it's going to be expensive as hell as well, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's flagship tech, so, I mean, I expect north of a grand, easy. Really? North of a grand? I do, I do. That's expensive. Well, look at it this way. Um, Generally, you can sort of peg the release price of a console to the flagship of Apple, at the time, they're normally about the same price. Oh yeah, and Apple Apple flagships are north of north of a grand now. So, I mean, it's I mean maybe not, but I think I think the sort of thousand pounds that's that's where we're looking. Well, I hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> really hope it doesn't come to that because, like I said at the start of this discussion, if the economy is going to tank that no one's going to be able to afford a PlayStation 5. It'll be either PlayStation 5 or Christmas dinner. That's going to be what it comes down to. And for me, I love myself a Christmas dinner. I just can't really go outside uh, during a day anymore. I've got to I've got to keep it keep it in uh go go out only at nighttime, which is when all the ghouls and the gargoyles come out. So, if you know, they're uh, they don't have any blood, which is pretty useless. So, um, yeah, it's difficult. I don't know if you've ever tried to drink the blood of a of a of a mutant uh, warrior before, but it's uh, it's quite sour. Sour, yeah, I, I can imagine. And look, look, no, I, I don't, I don't shame the vampirism. I don't think that's a bad thing. What you do, what you got to do. But all I'm just worried about is, you know, there's a lot of work. There's quite a lot of the work in the current wasteland, the current economic situation is during the day outside generally moving tires doing a bit of scavenging doing some trading at different trading posts and do you not worry that the vampirism is going to affect your employability um well the thing is when it comes to eternal life um i don't really now that i'm going to live forever there's nothing really much can kill me there's no real threat to my life so needing a job is kind of like what do I need a job for? What do I need paid for? You know, I, I can just go out and do it for myself. I mean, it does get a bit boring. I was thinking of offering my services as like a, a night watchman at the at the Thunderdome. Oh, that's a good one. Good good, good job. I've heard uh, you get um, <clears throat> double time on weekends. Uh, yeah, yeah, weekends double time. Uh, you're a bouncer, you know, when the, when the big fights are kicking off well, after the sun goes down. I can just uh, stand outside and, uh, you know, anyone anyone who gets kicked out or gets a bit too rowdy, I, uh, I just add them to to my uh, shopping list, you know? And the thing is, with the Thunderdome, there's a steady supply of uh, 
of blood and guts going around. So that's um, you know it's pretty good. It's a win-win. So so just just when you when you say add someone to your shopping list, there is that uh, is that shorthand for they're gonna you're gonna consume them. You're gonna you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna take them home like they are food in a Safeway bag and, and consume them at your leisure. Yeah, I was, I was trying to put it delicately, but yes, no, they, they go in my they go in my ten pence uh, bag for death, and I uh, <laughs> and I carry, I carry them home, and uh, I, I store. We've got a big, we have, you know, I've, I I use I use my space in the big walk-in fridge. I've got my shelves. That's where my food goes, and uh, you know, I put put my name on it, a wee label, being like, "This is Patrick's. Don't don't touch." And uh, yeah. From the uh, hilariously and potentially expensive to something that is incredible value for money, or was certainly. I'm very sorry if you missed it, but the uh, the recent bundle on itch.io, which um, was just just wild, just wild, mental. Um, so so in in case in case anyone doesn't know, in light of the uh, the current resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, itch.io um, released a bundle um, as, a, as a fundraising effort for that. And it, it over 1,700 games for $5, I believe. Yeah, it's, 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 it's more games. I think in the span of two minutes, I acquired more games than I've ever had on my Steam library for like the 15-odd years I've had a Steam account. It's, it's yeah. mental. I mean... Well, we'll go into more depth about what the content actually is, but it's lots of uh, lots of indie developers just putting their content out there for a really good cause. Um, what was the the two charities that they were uh, funding? I've got the tab up here. Um, so, yeah. So basically, all the one hundred percent of the profits. Uh, were to go to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and the Community Bail Fund, split fifty fifty, uh, in support of, as you say, the um, the recent uh, Black Lives uh, Matter movement. Um, and yeah, this bundle's made like over eight million dollars. Um, it's eight. Mi- last time I looked, it was only six. Eight million. Eight wow. mil. Uh, I like to think that's because we posted it on our Instagram, gave it a little share. <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, yeah, it's fucking crazy, right? And I am very new to Edge.io. Um, I've only used it once when uh, Zero Punctuation was doing his uh, 12 games in 12 months. I don't know if you caught that. Um, no, no, I didn't. No, I missed that completely. Uh, so um, just a quick, just a quick segue. Uh, so Zero Punctuation, who's famous for well, the Zero Punctuation uh, uh, game reviews, he did uh, well, twelve months. Yahtzee Croshaw. Yahtzee Croshaw, that's right. Yeah, he did a twelve games in twelve months challenge where he tried to make twelve games in twelve months, and they were all released on itch.io. I played one of them, and that was my first experience with the platform. And um, yeah, it's just weird. It's weird seeing uh, legit. Uh, video games on some on my PC somewhere that isn't Steam or uh, Battle.net. Literally just downloading them from a browser, uh, like I've pirated them. Like it's so bizarre. Like this, I've 
this is what buying games digitally used to be like, you know? And there's something kind of yeah. nostalgic about being like, oh, I'll download the zip file and unzip it and then run the run the, the WinRAR through and then uh, and then just run it in a in a tiny window, you know? Um, yeah, it, I think it's it's kind of magical and it's like, oh, it used to always be like this. It was great. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so, but uh, like we said, like over a thousand games, so we've barely scratched the surface, but uh, I did say to Robin, don't tell me what games you're going to play and we're going to pick three each and um, and we're going to talk a little bit about them. So uh, we could go one at a time if you want. Did, what, what, did you have a chance to try anything out? I did and um, I don't know, I'm, I kind of just went for the ones that uh, I, I've seen before and I w- always kind of wanted to try. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't delve in and do anything. Do any of the tiny indie ones. I was considering. There was one called One Night Stand, mm-hmm. and it was. It, it's a. It's a game that's based on you wake up hungover, <laughs> you slept with someone, and then you have to sort of navigate the house and find out who the person is because you can't remember. <laughs> I was going to play that it's as well, like, actually. Yeah, but uh, it, it just. I thought it like what a charming premise for a game. Uh-huh. Um, but. I uh, I played a couple others, um, weirdly all by the same studio, oh. but that's by the by. Well, same publisher, rather. Um, first one I played, which I, I've actually put quite a bit of time into now, is Overland. Um, that was published by Finji. All the games I played were pun- published by Finji. Uh-huh. Um, and Finji, they're the guys who, um, I think they started off with like Cannibal, the Endless Runner. Um but yeah, they've got a whole lot, a whole lot of pretty popular indie games under their belt. But Overland, and this is like a tactics, um, procedurally generated zombie um, survival game. Okay. Um, and it is, oh my word, it's it's so tense. It is so tense. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, one one thing I really like in games is when it's there's no right answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You can't. You can't perfect this. You're gonna make mistakes. They're gonna hurt, um, and and it is it is really good at that. So the I mean the basic sort of mechanics of the game is you will have it's a grid based game. You have uh, your survivors, and that's um, that's that's the characters you use. That's your units, and then you have uh, zombie units. Although they're not, they're like weird crystal beastie things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's turn-based, so you, you have a turn to do this. You have a limited amount of energy and actions you can make, and then at the end of your turn, your um, the, the zombies will take their turn. Um, and it is it is just really tight, really well-defined, um, and really tense. Like All of the scenarios are pressurizing in the sense that there's... Always, it always feels like there was more you could have done on a map. Uh, most simply, it'll be like, oh, we could have... We're at this abandoned gas station. We could have taken 10 units of, of, of petrol, but like you, if you'd pushed that far, you all would have died. So you had to cut off at like six and then get, get out of Dodge, yeah. you know? Um, and it really pressures you to make these tough choices. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm into it. I'm I'm really into it. Very tactical. You really got to think it through. And uh, yeah, tense. Very tense. I maybe check that out. Overland. You say it's called. Overland. I highly recommend it. And also, 
it's good because normally to get that amount of tension and investment in a game you need to like put a lot into narrative but they've because they've done it with mechanics and because it's procedurally generated you can actually just jump in have a 20 minute game then leave again sure um which which i always appreciate in a game yeah no like a little little short burst is always quite nice to get from a game um i think the two of two of my three games were like little short bursts uh, which, but one of them I've gone back to a couple times because I just <clears throat> love the idea of it. So I'll talk about that first. Um, I played Night of the Consumers, which um, oh, that looked great. That looked great. Yeah, which just really stood out to me. Just the wee thumbnail on the list of games. Um, yeah, so this is so Night of the Consumers is a first-person horror survival game uh, set in a convenience store uh, near closing time. Uh, and your goal is to stack shelves because uh, it's the end of the day so you need to stack all the shelves in the aisle and uh, you need to avoid any customers that are left in the store because they'll walk up to you and give you <laughs> it's full of little jump scares it's really fucking annoying but I love it Cause <laughs> you'll be because you'll be stacking shelves and you can hear like trolleys and people milling around or milling around you and all of a sudden, like, honestly, just jump scares of, like, excuse me, <laughs> someone grabbed you. And it's like, I need to find alcohol. Where is it? So you have, like, a very lim- limited time to find the alcohol aisle. And uh, basically, the, the the main crux of the game is stacking shelves and taking customers where they need to go. And it's just <laughs> the, the style of it, it. It looks like an old PlayStation 1 game, which is something I've wanted for ages for, like, because indie games for almost a decade now have embraced the old 8-bit style, 16-bit style of, like, the NES and SNES era, and I've really wanted them to make that leap forward into, like, PlayStation 1, Nintendo 64 graphics, which is what led me to this game initially, because it looks like a PS1 game. But that really lends itself to the creepy, like, scary aesthetic of just, like, horrible, like, stretched like pixel faces across like this skeleton mask right up in your face being like I need to find Halloween items Um, and if you don't help customers in time uh, like you get three strikes and then you're fired and being fired is essentially like it cuts to all the lights are out in the convenience store and you're on your own and you just hear footsteps tap, 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 tap through the place and just you can't escape and it just the manager runs up to you and grabs you and says you're fired <laughs> and it's just horrible little jump scares that give you a tiny fright but it's just the tension of that is so fun and it's just a hilarious idea uh, so I'd recommend checking out Night of the Consumers it's just really just a good idea for a game man it just really um I've seen reviews from people that have worked in retail before and they've said, yeah, no, this is exactly what it's like. Just trying to do your job and escape horrible customers. Um, (laughs) And it has very dark undertone to it as well. Like, there's lots of little... You know, like in Portal, there was lots of Easter eggs being like, you know, Abstergo is, you know, is up to more than you think. There's lots of little notes you can find being like, yeah, the manager is evil. Try and avoid him at all costs. <laughs> it's just, there's a horrible, creepy undertone. And it does, I don't know, I just love it, man. It's just hats off. Hats off to um, to the guy who made that. Uh, Germ Food is the developer of this one. So, yeah, hats off to mm. them. That's uh, That does sound like a gimme. That sounds like a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Also, oh my god, I'm never going to need to buy games again. This, <laughs> this is it. But this is the Just thing. It's like, where do you start? Like, I had no idea where to begin because. Uh, the thing with itch.io like it just lists all the games alphabetically there was no way to like browse through um, categories uh, I mean there is on the main site you can browse by category and tags and stuff but if you, when you're just presented with this list of over a thousand games and it's all sorted alphabetically <laughs> it's like where where do I start you know so I just you, you just have to basically pick a, pick a page number and just skip to it and be like okay what's on this page um so yeah, uh, what what was your next game? What did you get? Next game again is I, I did play more well known ones. It was a night in the woods because I've been meaning to play this since it released, and um, I, a lot of a lot of my friends have said, "Robin, you need to play this." It's narrative focused. It deals with anxiety and existential dread. Mm-hmm. There's some Lovecraftian elements, and I was like, "It's like you know, it's built. It's right up it's my taking street. a lot of Robin's um, boxes." It's taken a lot of Robin boxes, yeah. So, um, pulled the trigger, played this. Um, I've not, I've not played it through. Uh, played sort of starting acts. Um, yeah, it's it is just charming. It's a beautiful art style. It's sort of like just sort of two D flat design. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, you can you can work on different planes. But it, it, you're you know you're walking around. You, it's mainly narrative focused. You're um, experiencing this small town that your protagonist is going back to because uh, she's dropped out of college and she's uh, a, a cat. You, you, all of the pe- all of the characters are animals that stand up and talk. Cool. Uh, so back to back to her small town um, and walking through it, and then dealing with that whole weird janky feeling when you go back. I mean, I, I imagine Scottish people get it more when you go back to sort of first pub you drink in. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you see all the people who have never gone out of that. It's that feeling, but sort of, like, more heavily realised. Yeah. Um, but, but it's that sort of... That feeling, and it's uh, just really well captured. It's dripping with style. It it's it explores some serious themes as well, and it's funny and genuine at points and charming. There's also little mini-games. There's one mini-game in particular, which I, I need to note before I, before I wrap this up, is... Um, it was like a rhythm mini game to play the bass guitar. Nice. I have no, I can't play rhythm games anymore. Well, oh really? That part of my that part of my brain has been shut down. Oh mate. <laughs> Maybe I can start it again, but wow, it, I didn't know how bad I was. But I I just can't couldn't play it. I was like, am I having? Have I given myself brain damage? I can't do this. <laughs> I need to play um, a rhythm game stat because you've got me really panicking now. I can't remember the last time I played uh, one, and I love those games. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> mate, you gotta do a check. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I played through that, and yeah, I would recommend that to anyone who's interested in sort of narrative focus and very stylistic, uh, very oh, just a brilliant, brilliantly written dialogue. Ten out of ten. Well. Ten, maybe I'll wait till I've played through the whole thing, but I will be playing through the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, so yeah, that was my that was my second second foray into the the big old pile of games. Nice, cool. I played um, I played a tiny wee game that I don't think is finished, but I did quite like it. <laughs> called uh, Insufficient Adjectives, right? which is uh, which uh, the the title really doesn't give anything away about what the game is. But so I was like, "What on earth could this game be?" Insufficient adjectives, uh, according to the to the 
to its page on edge.io, it's about the labels we use to describe ourselves and how those labels help us find our tribe. But it's also about delivering packages to stores. And that's <laughs> the part of the game that... That's the gameplay. is really about... Um, it Basically, you've got all these little trucks that come out in like a on like a toy city. It's an isometric view of this little toy town, essentially. And from the middle is this uh, factory where these uh, trucks will come out. And each truck has a series of adjectives attached to it. Uh, like, you know, so each truck has three adjectives. Like, ex- exotic, intelligent, noisy, uh, or, you know, yellow, round, unisex, uh, stuff like that. And there's different types of stores in the town. Uh, like like a pet store, stationery store, um, the, sports, the sports store... Uh, and the and the food market, and you have to direct you have to direct each truck to each store depending on the adjectives that are with it, and it gets more as the game goes on. I guess more kind of um, ambiguous. Like these adjectives could apply to multiple stores, but you have to find the right one. And I just thought it was a fun little word game, you know. Yeah, that's. Um... That's pretty... I, I always like a word game, particularly a spelling game, actually. Uh-huh. But it's interesting. I mean, what, what, the whole thematic premise of it, I mean, what's that about finding identity and tribe? Is there any narrative to follow that up? Um, I think it was... Okay, so just reading the page again. Uh, it was commissioned uh, for five, uh, five graffiti games. Uh, made by LGBTQ plus developers in NYC were created in six weeks and debuted first at the Play NYC and Metropolitan Pavilion. So I guess it was like they were given a brief of like, you know, what are the labels you use to describe yourself? And then that theme of using labels then kind of got put onto the theme of delivering trucks, delivering items based on these very, uh, you know, universal adjectives. Which, thinking about right. it, is quite an interesting idea. Being like, well, you know, we could use our, you could use adject- these adjectives to describe anything. You could apply that then onto the labels people use to describe themselves. Um, which, you know, I'm literally just learning about this theme now. To me, the 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 crux of the game, like the, I was just presented with a game about trucks and delivering them to stores based on the adjectives. But I, I guess it's, they just kind of took the idea of giving labels to types of people and then just applying that to objects you know um but yeah it's a it's a cool wee game but as i say it's tiny it was made for like a game jam so that's probably why it doesn't feel that finished it's a little bit janky yeah. doesn't work very well but I, I do like the idea it's a game you can it's like a mobile game you can play it in like five minutes but i just thought it was a cool idea for a pretty game, charming you know it's just uh yeah. put, you just put in put in your your um your mind to work, thinking about words and stuff, which is the kind of thing I, I enjoy. Cool. Yeah. Um, the third, the third and final game that I played, another another one um, published by Finji, was uh, Celeste, um, which might have. Oh yeah, I mean, I've heard of Celeste. Celeste. Garnered garnered a lot of attention. It's just a really tight platformer, mm-hmm. really tight platform action, um, a sort of Meat Boy kind of vein. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this was another realization. I can't play platformers anymore. <laughs> I'm getting old, Patch. I'm getting yeah, old. Yeah, I was gonna. Um, well, I'll put a pin in that because I had a thought on this as well. But yeah, on you go. 
but yeah, so I, I played through Celeste mainly because it had received so much attention off of so many sources. I was like, right, okay, need to get in here and um, see see um, what it's all about. And whilst it is completely solid, and I'm not very good at it, um, what it has is an amazing way to build world through just background. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, it's very good at weaving narrative through the world rather than just smacking you over the face with it, um, which I, I thought was wonderful. And yeah, I mean, the mechanics are so tight. Um, I mean, give me some time with it and I, I, I'd be able to be able to get good at sure. it. But yeah, it was. It almost reminded me of like Hollow Knight level of tightness, you know, just really, really bang on. No, no, uh, no sort of mushy wobbliness whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, if you want to jump to a spot, it takes you to that spot, you know. Yeah, well, this is one of the like bigger names in indie gaming that I was surprised to see on this list because there's a lot of games that I've actually heard of, which I was I was expecting this to be a bunch of just like random games made in five minutes you know like insufficient adjectives but yeah they've got like minute and as you said night in the woods celeste um nothing you know not much i can't think of any other examples but there's like you know some good some big names on here and on the indie scene you know which is which is cool uh to see kind of different tiers of indie developers getting involved uh in this bundle which is which is great you know yeah, I would have I would have liked to have played Minute actually, and I think that's going to be my next one because that that looks great, yeah. great premise for like that Minute game. and Celeste are two games that just a week ago I was considering buying on the Switch, and now I just have them <laughs> as part of a massive thousand game bundle, um, and I'll probably <laughs> never get around to playing them because I'll be playing Night of the Consumers and. Uh, Another, you know, dating sims. A lot of dating sims on this uh, in this bundle. There's a lot of dating a lot, sims, yeah. And like a really surprising amount of like LGBT uh, sort of uh, content as well. There's one game where like the blurb is like, "You are a lesbian baker in a world of elves," and it's like, "Okay, <laughs> cool, good for you." Um, so just yeah, just crazy amount of shit. Um, Dungeons and Lesbians, mildly dating your BFFs in the midst of a game of D&D. It's cool just to see such a wide variety of themes and games, like different types of games I'd never considered playing before, but now I just have them. And I can just pick one up at any moment, you know? So many of these games would be... I would never pick up a game called One Night Stand, but now I've got it, I'm going to play it. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Uh... Yeah, it's a it's an adventure. It's an adventure. I wonder if we should just have like every episode just a little dip into what we tried. It should be like a you know, a recurring feature of interesting shit we played. Uh this I mean month. it'll last us for the next ten years. So, yeah. yeah. I'd need never I mean I might not even I might not even buy The Last of Us Part Two. I'll be too busy playing Four Horsemen. <laughs> <laughs> which which is blurb is leave home, start a new Punch racists. Great, cool. Let's do that. <laughs> or <laughs> fucking hell, yeah, man. It, it's it's io. Like, who knew? I feel like I'm really behind on the itch.io uh, train yeah. because it's been going for a while. But it's just, it's probably introduced a lot of people to the platform. To be honest, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, well, did you did you have another game that you played on it? Uh, yeah, I played a game called. 
uh, the Enigma Machine, which we can talk about. I'm just conscious that we've been talking for a long time about it, and two games is probably quite a big, uh, a big chunk. I don't know if you want to move on, but uh, I can tell you about the Enigma Machine. I've not completed it, but it's give me two sentences. Just go. Uh, it's a creepy game, uh, sort of uh, based on on old on an old DOS computer. It's like a haunted horror first person uh, walking simulator. Uh, where you're trying to restore a, uh, an insane AI back to normal, and you're taking a taking a walk through this broken AI's dreamscape. It's scary. It was I didn't think it would be a horror game, so it's another one that gave me a little scare. <laughs> uh, but I liked it. Uh, the Enigma Machine. I recommend it. It's another one with very PlayStation One graphics, um, mixed with like you know a cyberpunk retro 80s elements well there you go you know I don't ask you about your uh, food supply and your portion of the walk-in fridge well you know I, I don't use it because I always just get my meals delivered by stained apron thank you for the sponsorship today <laughs> wow. if you use the discount code um, 15 don't go outside no vampires for us you'll receive a 30% discount off of your first and second orders of stained apron and this week I was sent out a lovely box of food it contained a little bit of burnt rubber on the side a couple of rat tails and then some fresh radioactive moss they always include a little a little uh, guide written on uh, the torn page of an old recipe book which explains how exactly you make the recipe and how many people to cook it for. Now, back in the day when I had to go out and scavenge and think of meal prep for myself, it was a nightmare. I I spent hours doing it. I was never that great at cooking. But now, with Stained Apron, I have fresh to-your-door meals every day. I love that. That's great. I mean, back in the days where where I could eat food without... uh, being violently ill uh, Stained Apron was a good one we, it was a communal time where we could cook together me, you and, uh, and Segway Mutant but um, yeah good to know that you're getting uh, your food delivered to you bit weird that my whole story of uh, becoming a vampire was just a massive build up to our sponsor for this week but you know um, I'm happy to share <laughs> happy to share my thoughts um yeah, so um, I I was w- thinking of asking Warlord Beefsteak if he would have a maybe a nice uh, you know human blood brew in his next batch of beefsteak brew, but he um, he was a bit freaked out by me. Um, I don't think he'd ever seen me quite so pale and quite so um, uh, flying before. Hmm. <laughs> Well, you know, mutants are naturally afraid of all things that fly. It's it's the whole gargoyle mutant thing. You yeah, know, I, I wouldn't want to go into it. It's a bit messy. Mm. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, I'll need to maybe find that, find my uh, my sustenance elsewhere, <laughs> if not at the Thunderdome. Let's dive into it. Topic of the week. Do you want to introduce it? Yeah, our topic of the week. Um, this week is uh, one that I chose. It's the Netflix series uh, Space Force, a political satire sitcom created by Steve Carell and Greg Daniels, who worked on the US version of The Office. Uh, it is a satirical take 
on the on the notion of Space Force, which is uh, slated to be the next branch of the US military that Donald Trump basically made up on a whim. And this TV series basically goes with the idea, well, what if the US military suddenly had to pull a Space Force out of, out of their ass? Like, it just follows the trials and tribulations of people working. Well, it, it, but yeah? Just, just to mention, it's not what if... This is currently Well, happening. yeah, okay, that's, that's very true, yeah. This is basically, yeah, a, a, a spoof, a satire of what is currently happening in the military. Uh, it's, a, I guess, a fictional... Not fictional. It's a, it's a, com- a comedic take on what's happening in mm-hmm. the for the US military right now. Um, and first thing... First thing I want to say about it is... Um, see, before we go into... Our very first impressions. Uh, poorly timed <laughs> release uh, for this uh, show, I think, which we can talk about more in depth later. But it came out uh, end of last month, end of May, I think, end of May. Mm-hmm. Um, and just with the amount of shit that's going on in America, sort of socially and government wise, just unfortunately timed. Because it's a really good show, and I, I really like it, but I just think a show set in the in the military it was uh, just uh poor poor timing i think yeah um i mean although to be honest anything that released in that sort of slot um anything god any any kind of media that is uh even slightly um tangentially related to the American government at this point doesn't really have a great release window. I know, I know. Um, I I read a lot of articles about it uh, just in the build up to this because I was like, I can't be the only person that thinks this. And no, I am most definitely not. Uh, a lot of US uh, review sites are being like, I can't believe Netflix released this right now. It seems so tone deaf and ridiculous. Uh, it's getting lots of bad reviews. I think about just because of the time, just because of the timing, essentially, like it. And because it's be- because it's been created by two alumni of The Office, which is arguably one of the biggest sitcoms of the past ten years, I think people are expecting a lot from it as well. And it hasn't quite delivered what people what people um, are expecting from uh, Steve Carell and Greg Daniels. But uh, mm-hmm. as as a non American, I quite liked it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, I understand completely why it would fall flat at this point in time, but just from an outsider perspective, I quite like a satirical. I quite enjoy a satirical take on the American government and the inner workings thereof. Um, and I like Steve Carell. I think he's great. Uh, uh, John Malkovich is a uh, was is a great addition to the cast. He's fantastic. Uh, I just think a lot of the characters and a lot of the act. The characters and the actors and the writing, I just really, I really like. I think it is actually a really good idea for a sitcom. Just like as as we keep saying, just weird timing. Yeah, I find it strange that Netflix would choose this release window because they very much did choose it. They can, I, I don't know. I just think it was very confused to to do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I have to, I have to kind of preface as well. Um, it's not. Space Force is not the kind of show that I'm generally into. I mean, I don't really watch shows for the most part. Um, 
But that being said, you are just completely right about the the actors in it. Like John Malkovich, great addition. Steve Carell is pretty. He's always great, even though I've, I don't like The Office and I don't like a lot of the stuff he's done. He himself is like he's got chops. He's got really he, good he range. I plays. think. Um, so yeah, it was. I think it was very competently put together. I think if that's the kind, of, if you like satire and you like that kind of comedy, mm. it's right up your street. Uh, but I think it was just released to fail, which is quite... A, I mean, it's kind of tragic to some extent. I mean, has it got a season two booked? I think I think they're in, I think a season two is coming. Uh, no, so I watched the whole series, as I say, in like two or three days. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I was quite interested to see kind of how the this new branch of the military would, would fare with kind of a lot of the old traditionalist... Uh, established, you know, with the old establishment, you know, this is a very future. It's a very futuristic idea, and I liked the <clears throat> kind of the absurdist take on a lot of the, you know, quite often real ideas that have been happening. I like that they constantly have to change course because of what the president uh, has tweeted. I like that that's kind of a running undercurrent. He's not really like he's kind of the antagonist in a way. I think it's interesting that they never straight up named him. Probably a wise move in many ways, but I think a lot of critics are saying it's it was a bit of a cowardly move not to straight out say, "Oh, Trump is doing this." But I don't know. Do you want to do? Do you want to go on? Do you want to make your light-hearted comedy show into a you know a political stand, or do you just want to make a, a a kooky show about a bunch of spacemen trying to get into space before the Chinese? You know, it's <clears throat> it's. I feel you've well, got to really make a choice whether you want to make a political... St- which, I suppose they are making a political statement in a way just by making it to satire, but how heavy do you want to lean into it, I guess, is the choice you have to make when writing a show like this. I think... Uh, I think... Because I did, I did get this, and it was the sort of like, oh, the, the president's going to be tweeting about it later, and you're going to get a message on the secure phone, that kind of stuff, um, which is just basically saying... I mean, it's so clearly alluding to the Trump administration. Oh, yeah. um, you know, it, it would be preposterous to say otherwise. Um, but, it, I mean, to call it... The point is they are making a political point. You know, the whole show is making a political oh, point yeah, about the yeah. absurdity of, of the Trump administration. Um, and that's... I mean, that's one of the core premises that it's showing the just the absurdity of it. Um so I don't know how much more it would add if they just outrightly said it's it is this it is about this this is the president this is the year you know yeah yeah I mean <clears throat> I mean that's the thing I don't think they I agree I don't think they had to outright say it um I just don't know how much of a <laughs> how much of a taste for subtlety like I guess it's just some of the reviews I read whether they kind of whether they were just like, this, this is too subtle, people might not understand it. It's like, if you don't understand it, then you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? People actually said it was too subtle. Well, no, I, well it's, the, point I was, the point I read was that people were saying it was, it was a cowardly move not to, not, to name to, not to name Donald Trump, which I was like, was it cowardly? Because they're pretty much just doing that. And I think that, I think subtlety is is not the name of the game here they're just choosing not to name him you know well the thing is i mean 
it's almost more of a mock. Mo- it's more mocking when you don't even need to see say the name specifically. Yeah, because you can tell through the through the like the actions that it is alluding to that that presidency. You know. Uh-huh. Um. Um. So I don't know. I think that's a pretty weak criticism, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 The thing is, I I googled for reviews, and the first like the top five were all like bad reviews for it <clears throat> so like my understanding is it hasn't received a great reception um which is unfortunate because uh, as, as i keep saying i liked it i thought it was i thought it was competently done uh has a has a you know budget wise looks really good um mm-hmm. the whole uh the whole base that it's set on like looks consistent you know as as the series goes on like it's not just sort of like a series of like disconnected sets you actually feels like they are living and working on this massive army base um and yeah i just um i had a point i was gonna make there uh yeah no i just feel like when you don't focus on the um it's difficult to do but when you don't focus on the politics of it the the storylines the, the plot lines that are about the characters themselves i really like i think that the um that Steve Carell's character is quite is he's got quite quite a good depth of character that kind of evolves as the series goes on um you know mm-hmm. he starts off very conservative and he wants to be he wanted to be head of the air force <clears throat> but he got booted to the space force and a lot of the first early episodes are him coming to terms with him having to be in charge of the branch of the military that all the other branches make fun of and once he kind of comes into his own and grows to embrace it then it becomes uh it's kind of a good pairing of like conservative army man and then liberal scientist working together and being pals and it's i don't know it's nice i just liked the kind of uh human side of the story i don't know if that makes sense to you no no i get you and i actually think Carell's character is yeah he's he's a He's got depth of character because there are little moments, and one of the little moments I really liked, which was kind of like so much of general, generally modern sort of um, sort of uh, filmmaking and uh, showmaking in general. Every single thing has to lead into another joke. It has to tie into mm-hmm. everything, um, but and very little is actually just straight up character development. But in the first episode, when he's um, when Steve Carell's character is being driven in a helicopter and he just has this moment with the helicopter pilot um, where she she speaks to him and asks, oh, what, what have you done? And he talks about that. And then she describes, I can't remember exactly how she does it, but she describes a rank in an Air Force way rather than a Space Force way. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, you should be, you know, you should be proud of being in the Space Force. And it's like, and there was no other reason for that. Like, that, that wasn't a gag. Um, but it just serves as like a little bit of depth to his character, you know? yeah. And the fact that yeah, okay, yeah, he's been thrown into this situation, but he still takes pride in what he does. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think definitely I had some good character development in there. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, the kind of whole thing of like them coming to terms with being called spacemen rather than airmen, I think is <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like oh, we have to call ourselves spacemen, and like the term chimpstronaut like is just really funny, but like how seriously he takes. <laughs> He takes the work that he's like. I don't know if it's the third episode where like they have to uh, try and teach the chimp to fix a satellite. 
It's the second or the third. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, oh, we lost a brave chipstronaut today. And um, Harry's planning to give it like a hero's, a hero's burial. Uh, but then finds out, like, he's eating the dog and it's like, oh, I'm going to tear him apart on Twitter. <laughs> the only reason the chimp and the dog were in space together was uh, basically so that they could make viral videos to boost the PR standing <laughs> of the Space Force, which I thought was great. I do I do love that. That's sort of like a prevalent theme through it. Um, the social media and how that just doesn't mesh with the military but they're forced to do it anyway and how just ludicrous that yeah. is there's a whole episode like, uh, later on in the series where uh the first lady well melania trump uh gets in touch and she's she says oh, i've got lots of good ideas for how to jazz up the space force uniform and there's a whole b plot of basically in the background you see like members of the space force wearing these like ridiculously like high fashion outfits that are meant to be like the new uniform (laughs) it's so funny Uh, but it does basically like does tell a good story of how social media really dominates all facets of life even like the deepest parts of the government have to basically like pander to what people are saying on social media it's wild Um, isn't it um but i'm glad they i'm glad they leaned into that because i i actually i know a few people in the in the the Royal Navy uh-huh. um, and one of them is he works I, I can't remember his title but like, he works in PR of some description within within Navy and he talks about it all the time like why on earth does like the engineering corps have social media you know <laughs> it's like what the fuck like um, it's just it's just yeah. ludicrous it's <clears throat> mental it's a crazy new world we're living in where social media it's great yeah. world, um, but what was uh, so your overwhelming takeaway was kind of it was it was massively positive for you, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, that's the thing because um, like I liked it. I thought it was decent enough. I'd happily watch a second series, but it's not, you know, it's by far not the funniest thing I've watched for a long time. But I just feel like it's, I just feel, I don't know if this if this sounds right, but I kind of feel sorry for it in a way. Just the this the timing of its release. <laughs> And the way people are reacting to it in general, I'm like, well, I can I can see what they're going for, and I think it's genuine. I genuinely think it's a really good idea for a show. If it had been released like, you know, five or six years ago, or five or six years in the future, maybe it would have been a totally different story. Maybe it would have been received a lot better. But just, yeah, it just goes back to weird. I just thought it'd be an d- interesting talking point because of just the the release schedule of it given given the absolute clusterfuck of a year we've had to have a to have a sitcom that's like hooray for the u.s military it's like well it's just like well it could it seems like that on the surface you know but it's more kind of a sideways glance at the at the workings of the military rather than glorifying it which it does seem a bit like to be it does sometimes seem to be glorifying the military but it's really mm-hmm. just a story about how messed up and annoying the bureaucracy the bu- bureaucracy of trying to run a wing of the military can be which is you know i find it quite an interesting uh story to tell so you know good on them i just hope it's uh i, I just hope it gets better for them from here you know yeah i mean all of that stuff aside 
for me, I just I thought it was fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the gags in it were good. Uh, the premise is is interesting, but you know, it's it's. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be running back for more. You know, I'm not going to go beyond what I've watched at this point. Sure. Um, but uh, I mean, that's not to its discredit. Um, I don't think anything about it was like badly made. Um, and I don't think it deserves the panning it's getting. Yeah. In some from from some places, um, and I think yeah, I think I'm on board with you. It's kind of just like oh, why, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like why? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of baffling. But uh, hey ho, um, and ask you the crucial question: uh, Would you go outside for Space Force? Um, I'm afraid to say I would not go outside for Space Force. I would gaze upon Space Force. Uh, from the safety of my bunker, uh, but I would not go outside to watch it. Cool. I... You know what? Yeah, no, I'd go outside for it, because um, I, I, do, I, do, I do like it, and if there if a second season comes along, I'm, I think I'll probably watch it. So that, for me, qualifies as a going outside for uh, Space Force. Yeah, don't go outside, everyone, um, because there are... Uh, Space chimps uh, smashing up satellites, and uh, no, they're not space chimps. Oh, chimpstronauts! <laughs> Don't go outside, everyone, because there are angry chimpstronauts uh, smashing up satellites and uh, throwing their debris to the Earth's crust to build a moon base. Um, which, to be honest. Not that much different from the uh, apocalyptic wasteland desert outside our doors. Oh, we <laughs> got we, we got a sync up. Just... Oh, um, one. Are you? Can you sync up from the end? Is that um, yeah, we just do three, two, one. Yeah, it worked perfectly last time. We just do three, two, one, and then stop the recording. Then I think we'll be grand. Okay, so are you counting into the three, two, one? I'll, I'll do it. So on on okay. so on one we'll close, okay? Okay. Three, two, one. <laughs>